Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's December the 15th, 2016, and it's time for my private audio call. Tonight, we don't actually have a scheduled guest speaker, but I was just talking to Kevin Michaels, and um, he got another win, I guess, uh, fighting foreclosure fraud and whatever. So as soon as he comes on, he can tell you about it. Uh, let me check my Skype, make sure he's not trying to contact me there. Nope. Okay. Cause I don't see him on here, but, uh, Hmm. I don't know what happened to him. Let's see here. Uh, let me just see if he's there. Where are you? Well, let me see if I can add him to the call. Maybe that'll work. Uh, add to group call. This is one way to do it, I think. Are yeah. you there? Are yeah. you there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was waiting for you to come on the call, but you didn't come on, so I thought, well, I'll call him. Okay, well, I'm here now. <laughs> oh, okay, good. So now what were you telling me? You had just, uh, you I were successful? preliminary injunction. <laughs> preliminary injunction, and what is that so that people don't know? It's like a restraining order, but it's the, it's the, the next step to getting a permanent injunction. And what was this about? Foreclosure. Basically what it is is it's preventing... Well, see, what goes on with foreclosures is we got attorney firms that sue on uh, some kind of evidence of uh, debt, okay? And usually the attorney firm buys the evidence of debt, and uh, they start foreclosure proceedings on somebody. And in California, all they got to do to do that is give you a 90-day notice and a notice of trustee sale, and then go ahead and sell your house, and it's all good i mean as far as what they think that they're required to do but california in particular requires that a foreclosure be uh action be instituted in the superior court and uh now here's a lot of good things about this is that you really got to study this in depth to really get it but uh number one california requires institution of a foreclosure suit it's not a non-judicial state but judges look the other way and aid and abet uh these people foreclosing contrary to law and uh they also are uh, uh implicating themselves in misprison of felony by failure to report their uh findings to the local law or the da and commence uh, proceedings against attorneys. And uh, California's got some very strict laws that uh, 
say that if your corporation is not registered or has a certificate of authority, it's a misdemeanor for anybody acting on behalf of a uh, of a corporation to come in the state and transact business here. And uh, so basically, that's what we do, you know. Just, we, but you got to go and research the status of the uh, the trust, the you know, because most of these trusts are statutory trusts, and statutory trusts are required to have a corporate trustee and a registered agent. So you got to track down where these people are and uh, get their status and uh, write some letters and you know to some secretaries of states and get their responses whether they have a certificate of authority and uh, if they don't. Well, guess what? Then you go and talk to the DA about it and start a criminal action against these guys, or at least an investigation. And uh, you know, this is this is how you do it. You know. What court are you in? Oh, we're in the California Superior Court. Where's that though? The one you go to, Santa Monica or Hollywood or? LA well, or you can go to any one of them, you know, but this uh you know Which one are you in? I'm not in any, but uh yeah, I help people show them the way, you know. Okay, well where's the preliminary uh, injunction out of? Oh, this is Northern California. Oh. Okay. Is there anywhere people can look it up and read it or see what you've done or maybe next month when we get the permanent injunction? <laughs> Okay. But uh, you know, I hate to blow it before that because Okay. You know, some Yahoo's on the call probably would sure, yeah. follow what we're doing and uh Or you, you might know. have an asshole FBI or IRS or somebody like that, some government employee that'll want to screw it up. Too. Well, you know? So you know never... well, we we don't know what it is, but we do know that what Trump says is that uh that uh, the court system is highly corrupt and uh yeah. Also, the media, you know, the uh, yeah. the, the well, media like Channel Two, Four, Five, Seven. Well, we didn't need nine, eleven. No, no, we we needed him to come out and publicly say it because the queer up there in the White House doesn't want to talk about that. You know, he doesn't want to talk about how the system is corrupt, and uh, he doesn't want to talk about that we made some bad deals, and he was particularly head of one bad one called O'Care, right? Oh yeah, the Obamacare and the media here is trying to say that people are signing up like gangbusters. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Like, are you kidding me? I I mean, I I don't know anybody that signed up. I I talk to hundreds of people every month, and uh, I ask them if they do. They say, "Oh, hell no!" You know, cheaper before if you just wanted to, you know, get an insurance, medical insurance. It was cheaper just to go directly to them. Now that Obamacare is there and it's involved with the state, you have to file. You have to file your tax returns and all. Oh no, man. you don't. You're not required to file a tax return unless you if, work in public office. If you well, as far as Obamacare goes, you do. Well, the thing is, is Obamacare doesn't apply to people in California, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, or anywhere well, else, except. Washington, D.C., Guam, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, American Samoa, etc., like that, right? Those are the only places where 
federal law takes a place. You know, I mean, you can't have a federal agent come in and arresting somebody in California for uh, growing marijuana, for example, because they don't have jurisdiction over here because it's not a federal territory. So, you know, because each state is sovereign unto itself and Washington, D.C., is this the representative of the several states abroad? So basically, unless you're growing uh, marijuana in uh, Washington, D.C., Guam, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, American Samoa, etc., you know, uh, you know, you will be arrested if you grow there, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but most attorneys aren't willing to go there with this one, and uh, lots of people get off of crimes by knowing that the federal doesn't have jurisdiction in, in, in each of the several states, you know? So, you know, there's a lot a lot going on there. And, uh, you know, there's just like a lot of things that everybody's been told since you were five years old. Well, i got to pay my taxes. i got to get a driver license. i got to register my car. i got to get a Social Security number before I go to work. i got to fill out a W-2 and I-9. Uh, then I got to file a 1040, 1040X or whatever it is after I work a year. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, all those things are lies unless you're a U.S. citizen. And I don't think there's too many U.S. citizens here because, number one, I know that, uh, you know, that uh, being in California, being a Californian or a Nevadan or an Arizonan or an Oregonian, Washingtonian, and it, all the rest of them, uh, you know, it doesn't apply here, you know. You don't have to do any of that stuff. But what they do is they make life very hard for you if you don't want to cooperate, you know, if you're going to drive your vehicle around without a plate on there or a driver license, you know, because what they do is they tend to get violent if you don't comply and uh, they steal your stuff and hold you for ransom, uh, which is extortion, and uh, hold your car until you pay that extortion, too, when they don't have a right to do it because they never took your car with a warrant, right? So uh, if you're driving around without a license, insurance, registration, whatever, right? So, I mean, <clears throat> you know, so, you know, and the thing is, is uh, let's say if you get a, a an IRS summons from an IRS uh, agent, well, it's invalid because they got to go to court to get a summons for you or a subpoena. They just can't issue it themselves. It's got to have a judge's signature on there and a seal of a court. So you could ignore all those things if you wanted to. But, uh, you know, there, there's so many things that people don't know because they watch ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, you know, KTLA, uh, whatever it is. You know, I mean, uh, what's the one in Chicago? <laughs> uh WGN and, uh, you know, things like that. They're all watching all these, uh, you know, stuff that you watch on a TV. And as you know, Clear Channel owns all the media stations and all the newspapers. So how are you going to get a unbiased opinion or reporting from those people? So, you know, there's a lot to be said. You there? Yeah, I'm here. My my mute button was muted. I hear I'm talking all along, making comments, and I'm on mute. Amazing, isn't it? Anyway, I was reading an email this guy sent me. He's facing foreclosure. What's your email? Do I have your email? Let me check. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I do. Do I? 
Oh, wait, let me see here. Yeah, just don't say it. Okay. Well, well you know, I, the whole thing. Wait, well, which? Wait a minute. I have two. No, no, don't even talk about it. <laughs> which one should I use? Don't use any of them. <laughs> what uh, do you mean? Well, well, give me some. The one that starts with a K or the one that starts with a P? How's that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't like to be uh, gotten a hold of that easy. <laughs> the guy needs help. He's, you know, in dire straits. Well, lots of people need help, but, you know, here's the one thing. They heard some guy that says that they got to, you know, here they're paying their mortgage of 1000 a month, right? And Which one that, do I use, the one with the P or the one with the K? Well, what do you mean, for your own self? Use no, the, uh, yeah. Well, you, you already got it, you know. <laughs> well, I always I use both because I can, I don't know which one to use. Yeah, well, I think the P doesn't work anymore. Man, I got an achy pee-pee. <laughs> <Burns. All right. laughs> then I should just delete that one, right? Yeah, you probably yeah. should. All right, I will. So anyway, go but, ahead. But, but here, here's the thing with people in foreclosure. Yeah. You know, they, they got to know that, you know, that it's going to cost them several thousand for experts and, and help, you know, and to, to get out of those foreclosures. And it could could take a year or two to to win, you know. And you got to have enough money to uh, go and win these things because you got to file and, uh, you know, you got to pay for assistance, you know, and you know for people to help you type stuff up and things like that. And, yeah. You know, and it's just like most people are incompetent, and uh, you know, and it's like. You know, a lot of people got ideas. Well, you know, it's just like here, here they're paying a thousand dollars a month, and it's pretty cheap, right? And uh, you know, they hear that uh, you know their their house that they bought for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars is now only worth two hundred, so now they want to get a modification. But here's the problem: is that they listen to some yahoo down there saying you got to be three months behind in order to get a modification. Well. You know, you can't really go and use modification as a way to get out of your contract that you got into in the first place, you know. And because uh, <clears throat> there's, you know, you can't really even say that you're going to win. But, uh, you know, you know, if you find out that, uh, you know, for one, for example, sometimes you come across a lender that wasn't even registered with any uh local regulator or federal regulator and that they've been out of business, you know, for 10 years and uh, all of a sudden you got an assignment from them, you know, uh, four months ago so they can try to foreclose on your house, right? And sometimes you can get lucky and find that, but, uh, you know, this is where you got to pay experts to find this information out, you know, and because uh, it's not a do-it-yourself thing, essentially. I mean... Because you got to have good help, and uh, you know. But you know, look, if you want to join the Kung Fu Monastery, we can hook you up, <laughs> and have to shave your head and uh, pray to Allah five times a day. <laughs> wow. And uh, you know, you're gonna have to be put in a cage with a big gorilla will take advantage of you three times a day. <laughs> Holy cow. Sounds like jail, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But anyway, uh, look, I know I'm making light of it, but, uh, 
you know, there, there's so many people that have problems. It's just like, you know, I've, I've known people that went to jail, right? And I said, well, you know, why'd you do it? Well, because I thought it would be thrilling and I could get away with it. Well, you got to pay the price, don't you, you know? And, uh, you know, it's just like uh, there's a lot of things that you shouldn't do in life. And people just do it because they think they can get away with it, you know? And it's, uh, you know, there's a good word for that, you know? What? Um, you know, for, for people that act like that. And, uh, you know, um, one of those things is that we have pathological liars, right? And we have pathological liars. Pathological liars are what attorneys are. They lie because they 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 can and they think that they'll get away with it, right? Yeah. And they they won't have any reprisals because they can use the attorney-client uh, privilege to not disclose whether they got a uh, a power of attorney from a so-called lender to go and foreclose on you, right? So, uh, it, but see, the thing is, is, there's a problem with that, is that they took an oath to support and defend the Constitution, which means protect the people on their property, and they're not doing that. So basically, they're uh, in ethics violations of the bar the bar rules, right? So, you know, there's a lot of problems with uh, what each of these guys do. And, uh, you know, most people can't point it out, but... Uh, you know, one good thing that you could do is if you can find out if a lawyer that's foreclosing on you is committed a, a misdemeanor or a felony against you, you know, you can get the guy disbarred, you know, while trying to foreclose. And uh, I think that's just darn great, you know, if you can get a guy disbarred for stealing people's houses, because here it is. If they're acting on behalf of somebody that doesn't have a certificate of authority mm-hmm. and they get a a fabricated substitution of assignment uh, or a trustee, right, and then they go and foreclose on you and they sell your house, guess what? They've not only committed a misdemeanor and they've also violated the bar rules for ethics. But what they've done is they've stolen your house, which is a grand theft, and that's a felony. So these are the things that people need to go and look at, what they're doing as far as what the law is, says, right? Because just because they're trying to foreclose on your house doesn't mean that, uh, you know, the, the, the commission of felonies and, uh, and, and misdemeanors goes out the window to them, you know, but most judges have looked the other way. <laughs> and that's the problem. So, you know, that's what I would say most people need to do is look and see if the guy is violating the law in any way. And if he's, you know, caught up in uh, doing a uh, misdemeanor or felony, report it to the DEA, you know, and uh, get some leverage that way. Uh, <laughs> right? So yeah. uh, does that sound fun? No, not really, but I guess. Well, why Why not? I I don't like doing all that stuff. Well, the reason why people don't like doing it is because they never, they're never they not any good with it and they don't win. No, I never tried to win at, well, at a foreclosure. No, not yet anyway. Yeah, well, but, it's, uh, it's, not a, 
it's not a situation where you want to get into, you know. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind dealing with the IRS. Yeah, well, those are pretty easy to beat. I mean. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, really? Yeah. Have you beat any? Yeah, beat a few. IRS issues? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Tell me about it. I had one guy that they're taking uh, all his money, and uh, he'd worked in the private sector all his life, and uh, the guy filed a uh, a complaint against the IRS, and... Uh, they never answered, so he got a default uh, judgment against the guys, mm. and he got all his money back. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. That's wonderful when that happens. Yeah, it is. But see, you can't be a chicken, you know. You got to just go forth and uh, not worry, you know. Yeah. And you know, but here, here's the thing: most people are afraid to do something that they've never heard of before. You know. Well, sure. The unknown, of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's one thing that stops people from being successful. It's just like, you know, like if you're a black guy and some guy calls you a nigger, you know, you're going to go over there and hit him on the nose, right? Well, most people, you know, just like chicken out and not do it, so they'll be abused. It's just like the schoolyard bully. Well, hey, give me your dollar for lunch and uh, I won't beat you up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, the guy that gives them the dollar and doesn't tap the guy on the nose is going to be abused, right? So, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. You know, you can't be afraid to go and act, you know. Want to take some questions? Sure. Roddy on here. Okay, Roddy, you've been unmuted. Sorry about that, by the way. Oh, hey. Sorry about what? Oh, I I muted him accidentally. I was muting somebody else out that was either above or below his name and what happens is is people come in and out the 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 list goes up and down and i accidentally muted him and and but i did mute the other person so uh, uh, well you know he can't he can't forgive you for that because that wasn't any fault of your own <laughs> i you know well, my time to the next next one there i wasn't ready i was busy right at the moment oh you weren't ready to ask any questions <clears throat> no i'm sorry i'm sorry Okay, you want to put your hand up when you're ready? Yes, I'll do that. Okay, because in the chat here it said you would, I would like to call in and ask questions, but not if host doesn't wish. Well, you know, I, I always... Well, let's get some people who want to chat about some stuff. That'll be fun. <laughs> Anybody want to ask any questions, press star eight. Okay, Roddy, I'll mute you out. Let me know when you want to come back just by pressing star eight, okay? Okay. <clears throat> anyway, nobody else has their hand up right now, so. Uh, too bad. They're all chickens, huh? <laughs> I don't know. They don't have any questions. Maybe they're maybe they're kind of ticked off because I used the N-word, but what the heck, you know? Did you well, use the N-word? Yeah, I did. Oh, you're not allowed to do that on my call. Kevin, don't do oh, that. Oh, baby. Well, I ta- I, what I said was is that, you know, it's just like being, you know, somebody calling you a nigger and, you know, you don't do nothing about it. I mean, you know, you got to go and do something about it. You know, I mean, when people. Oh, and, okay. In that context. You know, and it's okay. just like, you know, it's just like, yeah. remember I made the, the, uh, the, the, the corollary with the, the schoolyard, uh, you know, a guy that likes to abuse everybody by, hey, give me your dollar, your your dollar lunch money, or otherwise I'll beat you up. And if you give it to him, he keep on abusing you. But if you beat him up, <laughs> right? 
you know, right. he'll stop he doing do that. Right. right, they'll become so, your friend. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly how it works, too, you know. So, I mean, you can't be afraid to go and act. I mean, you know, so what? You go to jail, you know, or go get suspended. <laughs> yeah. You know, at least you're going to be taking care of the guys that need to be taken care of on the school ground, right? True, true. But, you know, so, okay. anyway. If anybody else wants to chime in or, or uh, say anything, press star eight. There's a whole bunch of callers. I guess, you know, I like to listen. And I like to watch. <laughs> so you're a voyeur, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not much of a participant. No, I'm kidding. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like to participate. But I do like to listen, you know. Yeah. It says here, Kevin, can you talk about Silver Bond? I don't talk about those because they're they're really unnecessary to what you're doing. You know, and whoever's promoting those, I know Winston's promoting that stuff, but you know, oh, he, he's been, uh, you know, been prosecuted now for these kind of things. But look, I mean, you got to have something to back up those bonds if you're going to issue them, right? I guess and, I don't know. I don't do that. And, and bonds. See, there's a lot of different ways you can do a bond. You can do a personal one where you put up your property. You can do one where it has cash value, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of different ways. But uh, what, what do they want to use them for? Uh, I don't know, idiot. What do you want to use it for? I guess for anything. He's not saying. Well, I don't know. I, I'd say that everybody you're listening to is full of crap and don't do it. <laughs> because you have to have something to back it up, you know. It's just like... Uh, you know, if you if you put your house up, you know, and you get a mortgage or a loan or something, you got to put up some collateral to pay them back, right? Mm-hmm. And that means you give them a, a mortgage or a, a deed of trust, and if you don't pay, they give them the right to go and foreclose on you. But, uh, you know, mostly that gets abused, you know. <laughs> but, you know. Did you, did you see the video of... of um... Oh, what's her name? Joan Joan Rivers. What about it? What which it's, one? It's a clip and this guy is like a reporter is asking her questions. She's on her way into some building. I forget what he asked her. Something about um maybe homosexual marriage or something like that. And she downright came out and claimed that Obama was the first homosexual president and Michelle, the first tranny first woman, first lady. Well, that's And then right too. after that, she got, you know, killed. Well, she died under, you know, while having a, 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 a normal procedure, not anything, you know, unusual, I guess. And it's, it's so suspicious to me now. Well, and then, and then, like and that. then they're showing they're sho- there. There are videos. I mean, really, some in-depth photography captured well, like of Michelle Clinton's. You know, get killing the guy. <laughs> Did you see the pictures though of Michelle uh, of uh, yeah Michelle Obama? I mean, yeah. she has the outline of a penis. I don't know if that's you know, and some of the shots where the wind's blowing and and it's. Uh, I can't believe, I just, 
I don't know what to think of it. What do you think of it? Uh, well, anybody I... got a, anybody got an opinion on that or a comment? Press star eight. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? What do I think? Yeah. Think she's a man? Well, I, I remember years ago when we were in junior high, we used to, you know, have people beat up on queers, you know, so, you know. <laughs> what does that have to do with what I'm asking you? <laughs> well, I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm not for beating up people at all. <laughs> you I'm know, it's just like laughing. one guy, one guy, one guy was making a comment to me one time. He says, well, what, what, what's so wrong with uh, being a homo, you know? I said, well. Why would you support it if you're not? You know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's really to it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're not. I mean, you know, saws each his own. My grandmother used to say. Well, not really. I mean, you know, this, you know, especially you know, walking down the street, seeing two guys kissing on each other, that makes you Uh, want to swap. You know. Well, I mean, you know, it doesn't affect you really. Yeah, hey. Kevin, I got a question. Hey, Roddy. You. you still in Argentina? Kevin yeah. isn't in Argentina. Argentina? That's, that's Roger a... Sales is in Argentina. Is it really? I'm sorry. Yeah, I got, I got the wrong Sales. guess. All right. Let me, that's okay. let me rethink, my, rethink my question. This guy's talking about, did Roger Sales, one talking about he had a foreclosure win, or was it Kevin? It's Kevin. I believe it was Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. He never, he never got around to explaining his foreclosure win. I was wanting to know, did he ever... Did he ever send you documents, or did he do one of those deals where he paid off one mortgage and got another one? Or got no, I never did any of that phony stuff. What, nah. what is it you call a victory, exactly? Uh, well, one where they uh, they uh, remove, uh, you know, give you a satisfaction of mortgage. They withdraw the foreclosure complaint. They reconvey the property to you, stuff like that, right? Yeah, what about any kind of a new agreement to pay a lesser amount? Well, I don't call that a win, you know. I mean, unless, you know, that's your only other option. I mean, some people, that's what you need to do because uh, that's no, their, no, no, that know, wasn't that wasn't a question about myself. I was asking you the thing that you called a win. But it was to get some specifics. Well, I, I mentioned the specifics, how I went about it, you know. And, uh, you know, you should probably go and replay the call, you know, after well, we off. I was here. actually listening to it live, and I didn't, I didn't really get, I'm sorry, you didn't well, give out too many see, details. This is, you know? well, well, this is just like it is, okay? Uh, okay, let, let me give you another uh, way to talk about it, okay? And then uh, you gave us like five Skype addresses, so I don't, I don't know who you, I don't even know if your name's Kevin. I, 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 didn't, I didn't give you any Skype addresses. But anyway, uh, here, here it yeah, is. Yeah, weren't you playing uh, golf? Do, do, do you know about Do you know about uh, fixing air conditioners? Yeah, York and Johnson Controls. Yeah. No, do you know how to fix air conditioning units? I do. You hit You hit them with a sledge. I'm just asking. I'm just asking one question. Do you I know do. how to fix them? Roddy, do you know how to fix air conditioners? Yeah, hit it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> no. Well, well, see, once I start talking about how you refill it and you know what the 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 pounds need to be and the pressure and 
everything else, you're totally lost about it, right? Because you're not going to follow, right? So as I said, you know, you need to to really study these things quite in depth, and uh, most people are incompetent to do it, you know? So it's like everything that I told you went straight over your head. Uh, You know, I talked to a lot of experts, and I talked to them, and uh, they seem to understand about it, but, uh, you know, a lot of people don't, you know? So it's just... uh, you know, and it's different for every state, but what I'll just recap a little bit. What you first need to do is you need to determine. Well, okay. Uh, in in a few instances, you you can note that the person hey, that, Kevin, that they loaned you money. Pardon interrupt, but that has nothing to do with your foreclosure. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the rundown. You know, uh, so so this is how it is. You need to be an expert in discovering information, number one, okay? Or you need to be very good at ferreting out information. Number one, you need to find out if the lender was in existence either statutorily or was a national bank uh, and if they closed or ceased business. And if they ceased business, how did they cease business? Was it involuntarily, like by a court order? Uh, was it uh, by an order from the Secretary of State telling them to cease business? Or was it, you know, or, or many other ways? Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is, is that laws in every state require certain things with their, sub- their assignments and substitutions. Okay, and in those things, you know, they have to uh, comply with the state laws regarding the substitutions, and not many people look at these things. You know, they just figure, well, I can go in there and get a a CFLA audit from an auditor over there or something, a a mortgage fraud investigation, and, uh, you know, that's going to win me the case, but that doesn't win you the case. How you win the case is is that you, you find out whether this entity was in business because sometimes what they'll do is they'll mix a a name of a lender with a name of a trust uh, and or a name of a trust with another corporate trustee and you can find out that if they went out of business in 2008 how can they be making a uh, an assignment in 2016 right so these are indicators of this i mean because if they've been ordered to cease and desist um you know, in one way or another, or their corporate charter has been forfeited, they can no longer do anything, okay? So, um, you know, and and almost all states require an entity to get a certificate of authority prior to conducting interstate business. And many states make it a crime of a misdemeanor to conduct interstate business, so you got to find that out. I mean, well, isn't uh, you that know, part of the liquidation and creditor deal? Like, if you go out of business, you still have a, you know, what do you call that? You go out of business, you get your creditors in line, get everything liquidated. Even though you're not in well, business anymore, you can still get your priorities in order, right? Yeah, but you only have a year. Like in California, you got a year to do it, right? But if you went out of business in 2008. You don't have a right to go and substitute an assignment eight years later, you know, or seven so years what, later. What, what, what if before the year is over they pass it to another company that gets lost in the paperwork? Well, uh, 
it's still suspect, you know, because they needed to do it before their business closed and their authority to transact business closed. And, uh, you know, you can go and look up under uh, American jurisprudence or California jurisprudence and look at all the sections regarding mortgages and uh, assignments and things like that, and they'll give you what the what the, a lot of cases are and uh, the laws in each of the states that do that, you know, show you what they're supposed to do. But, uh, you know, if you've been ordered out of business, you can't no longer transfer anything, you know, unless you go to a bankruptcy court or you've been bought out or, uh, let's say, merged with another company. So if you've been merged with another company, a lot of times the merger only involves uh, taking on the name, okay, And, and none of the assets usually transfer unless the uh the schedule of assets goes along with it and those are disclosed in the uh <clears throat> in the merger but most of the time that never happens well i was wondering if you could give some details because i'm familiar with that but can you give specifics about you well i got 11 incher uh no <laughs> about a win you can give details about what they did and what you did and how it's how it's looking well I, I i told you how you do it you know and if you don't know how to do it then you need to hire somebody like me to show you how to do it you know because your your mortgage or your loan is probably different than uh you know angela's for example you know and uh i understand i understand what i'm saying without details i have no evidence that you know what you're I mean, no disrespect, but I have no evidence you know well, what you're doing because you're not providing any information for me to, you know, hey, say, hey, hey Kevin guy sounds like a legit. Well, you know, I kind of operate. I kind of operate, you know, with with non-disclosure agreements with people. And uh, what I do with one guy, I don't talk about with another unless people want me to, uh, you know, talk about it because it's kind of private, you know. But uh, you know, I've already kind of given you what you need to to look for if you want to win. And it's up to you, you know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here having a debate about it, and uh, you know, because it's kind of unfair to everybody else that might want to. So far, I've got. To... So far, I've got fixed the air conditioner first, because I'm kind of slow learning. So I'm going to move out. I appreciate now? it. I'm going to fix the air conditioner first. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good idea. Yeah. Thank you, Angela. You're welcome. Thank you. Anybody else? Press star eight and I'll unmute you. Or if you want to talk about anything else, you can come on and speak your piece. Speak your piece. I guess nobody's got a piece. <laughs> I guess nobody, nobody, nobody has anything to say to you. Yeah, I guess they're all mad because I use funny words. Oh, wait, here's somebody. South Central Ontario. Welcome. You've been unmuted. Hey, thanks for unmuting me. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Uh, is that Ontario, Canada? Yep. Looks like it. Huh? Yeah. Yes, Ontario, oh, Canada, okay. yes. All right. Too bad you're not a Russian. We toast vodka. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have um, an Ontario here in California. Did you know that? Ontario County, right? Ontario, California. No, no. Ontario. It's a, it's a city. Yeah. It's oh. I don't think it's a county. It's 
I don't know what county it's well, in. That's over there in San Bernardino. Okay, yeah, but Ontario, California is the same as, I mean, on an envelope, it's CA, just like Canada. It's it's hard to tell which well, place you're talking about. Yeah, but anyway, I, go ahead. Ontario is kind of like California, too, where we have um, all superior courts. It's the same down there, I think, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. same thing, yeah. Yeah, so my question is, um, if I went to the bank and I got a mortgage and I got a house and I promised to pay a certain amount per month until the debt is paid, if I were to get the the payment reduced so it's a manageable payment, wouldn't that be a win because I'm being and remaining in honor paying my debt, but I'm still not getting thrown out of my house? Well, you know, a lot of times when, you know, have you heard about the McDonald's cashier? They got a million-dollar house, and he got a stated loan where he stated that he made $20,000 a month. (laughs) No. Well, there's a guy I saw a case like that, and, uh, you know, the guy was trying to, to, uh, you know, he went in and, uh, you know, in bankruptcy court, I saw one of these cases like this, and... uh, um, you know, I thought, well, that that's pretty funny, you know, because uh, here he lied, or or the agent that was giving him a loan lied on on it. So therefore, you know, I mean, yeah, you always want to remain in honor. And it, look, if they're willing to to give you a modification, that's okay, because a lot of people that'll give you a loan will figure. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> you know, they'll give you a loan that you can't pay after a. Uh, an increase on the rates, you know. So I would suggest that I would never take out a uh, a variable rate loan, you know, or an arm, you know, because those, I mean, those are predatory, you know. But so, what I mean, what I mean though is, without all the extra crap, if you just go in and you promise to pay a certain amount per month, and then you get in over your head and you get the payments reduced, that would be a win, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah I think it is. That's that, one that's, way to look at it, yeah. That that that's the way, but but you know most likely, I mean, uh, yeah, because mo- sometimes you know you lose a job or you know you get uh, you know somebody dies or you go sick and you got to pay hospital bills or doctor bills and yeah, I mean that's a good way to do it, you know. I mean, uh, you know, look, there's no one way to to uh, you know address the issues here, but you know if you can go ahead and do it like that, you know, you can actually. Uh, get a loan modification in bankruptcy too, but they don't like to do that, you know. Um, well, he didn't need to. He got a loan modification just by asking. It sounds like he went in and asked for a modification and they gave it to him. Yeah, yeah, well, that's always good if you can yeah, do that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So how much are you paying now a month? Oh, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a mortgage. I'm just thinking a debt is a debt is a debt. If I owed ten bucks on the skateboard per month and I could only afford five, just go in and say sorry about my luck. I can only pay five now. Then they adjust the well, book so the monthly payments are five a month and everybody's happy. Yeah, if, they, if everybody's in agreement, sure. You know, but hey, man, maybe I want to repo your board there. <laughs> if I'm a grinch, but look, yeah, but, but paying regularly. But if, I mean, people don't mind, you know. But if you're uh, the bank, if you're the bank, the you, up and up. 
if if you're yes. the bank though, you don't exist to cause harm to a man, so you're not going to repossess my skateboard if I'm in honor and I'm paying the best I can I can pay. Yeah, well, most people are like that, but you know, not not everybody's got that sense of ethics, you know, because they want the farm, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know. They do. I mean, uh, you know, I there's just... a lot of. There, there's a lot of attorneys out here and uh, servicers that just don't give a crap, you know. They just rather take your stuff and make a profit off of that. And, uh, you know, they don't care about people. You know, it's just to them, it's just a money game. And it's like, you know, I, I've known lawyers that, uh, you know, said that they would never, ever do civil uh, cases. And then all of a sudden, after five years, they're into this, uh, you know, buying uh, evidence of uh, mortgage of debt and, uh, you know, uh, going and uh, kicking people out of their houses, you know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, especially if they have equity in the house. The problem with most of the foreclosures that have taken place is the fraudulent paperwork. They're having people sign things as if they were the assistant or the vice president of the bank or the mortgage company, and they're not. They're just $10 an hour employees signing names, you know, that that's fraud. They shouldn't be doing that, and that's fraudulent paperwork, and that's what's wrong with the foreclosures well, that, that are that, taking that, place. That, that, that's, that's, that's only one, one of, part of the Yeah, problem. right. That's, that, one. that's one part of the major ones, you know, and it's like if we really wanted to look at, the, the laws on the books of the United States. Um, uh, most people can look up modern money mechanics. And if you look at page five, paragraph six, it'll tell you how a loan is, uh, how, how they create how a loan. Is created, right. We lend money. No, no, they don't lend money. All they do is they, what it says at paragraph five or six, it says, how, how do we make loans? Well, we take, the promissory note, deposit it into the borrower's transaction account that they don't tell you that they create when you sign the note. And then what they do is they discredit it, right? So they're not taking $10 million out of this pile of gold over here and giving you $300,000, you know? Right, right. They're not doing that, and, and, and they're not allowed to do that. So, but, but it says we create money by lending it. No, they don't create money by lending it. No, all they do... <laughs> No, that's a fraud. You know, they don't create money by lending it. That's what, what they, they do, say, though. Yeah, I well, know. Well, well, I mean, if you look at the, the, the brochure itself, it says that they take your promissory note that you give them, they deposit oh, it in, into the borrower's transaction account, which the borrower doesn't know he's got, and then what they do is they credit it, right? Now, here's the problem, is that most of the time in these loans, uh the first few words on the uh, the note says, for the loan that I have received, okay? And, uh, you know, I promise to pay, you know, $300,000 to so-and-so. And, or you haven't received signs. it, though, right? But the thing is, is that if you haven't received $300,000 an hour or even two minutes or a minute before you signed it, they had no... Uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Angela? What do you call the word in contracting? What? I don't know. What are no you talking? No consideration. Oh. They didn't give you any consideration for the value right. of your note, right? They right. didn't give you a loan. So even, uh, you know, practically speaking, 
All they are is a servicer. All they're doing is they're just helping you finance stuff on your own credit there. Right. right? And then for sending you the bill once a month, they expect to make three times the amount of the house. All no, the no, time. no. They expect you to pay everything off in the note. Okay. Yeah. When, 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 when we can look at uh, Title 31, Section 1010. Double ten ten dot one hundred double D and it says what money is. Promissory notes, cash, checks, money orders, uh well, all these things are money. <clears throat> you know, when, when you see promissory note when you see promissory note, that has a value there because you're giving them one you know, three hundred thousand dollars of something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and basically they're crediting it out of nowhere, right? What were you gonna say, Roddy? Uh, it's Mike still from Ontario, but oh, I'm sorry. The way I see it is, say I was some guy and my name was Bank, and you came up to me, a complete stranger, and said, "I want to borrow two hundred thousand dollars." I would tell you to go take a hike, but if you come with a promissory note and you promise you're going to pay a certain amount every month, now your word is your bond. I can hold you to your word since you guaranteed me in writing that you're going to pay me a certain amount, now I know those funds will be available to be paid back to me, and now I can send your promise, your bond, to get it monetized, and then you can get the house that you were looking for. I get well, the here's the thing is, is that the, the promise is not a guarantee. You know, It's like, look, I can promise that I'll come down there and pick you up at 5 but, o'clock and take you but, to the opera, right? But it, but it is well, a guarantee. <laughs> That's that's why oh, yeah. you're you're making a promise. Your word is your bond. If your word isn't your bond, your word is your word is nothing. You're dishonorable if you don't keep your word. So they take well, you, that's they not true. So they believe that's you. True, they but take see, in you order your to, word. In order to back that up, that's why they have you sign a security. You know. So yeah. you know because it's just like this. Look, I can make a promise but, to come and pick you up and take you the opera. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but if you know me long enough, you'll realize that I'll do my best to be there. But sometimes you get a flat, an accident, or whatever, right? Where you can't always do it. So, so yeah. Uh, but anyway, but, I mean, yeah, you know, you're on the right track there, Maestro. But see, the way the way I see it is, they're not creating money out of thin air. You're you're giving your guarantee that you're going to put the money there. So they're giving you the money up front in the form of credits so you can pay it back in fiat currency well, or whatever the, you want to well, call it. Well, the whole it. thing is, is they're, they're not giving you a loan at all. Even if you did sign a promissory note, they're supposed to give it to you before you sign it. If they give it to you a week or two weeks or a month later, it's a gratuitous event without an obligation. So you mean yeah. they put the, you mean they gave the money to you in an escrow account and just didn't tell you the escrow account was full? No, no, no. I mean, the thing is, is that the the language of the contract for for the loan that I have received, I promise to pay three hundred thousand dollars according to contract law. If you don't have any consideration in there, you don't do what what the the stuff says. Then essentially, it's a fraud. Okay. But how how do you know they didn't put the money in the escrow account and technically you did receive the loan? Well, you don't because they don't tell you. And the thing still, is, is still, the thing is, is the loan doesn't say that uh, I promise to pay pay you three hundred thousand dollars two weeks after you sign the note. Yeah, because what you would do if you asked them, well, where is the loan that I allegedly received? 
they would say, well, as soon as you sign the note, you'll get it. But that's not the way it has to be. But see, I'm just trying to keep it simple. In in the big picture, you went to the bank Uh, begging for a house and you got a house. So you look, it doesn't right? matter. You're, you're you're trying to push the the the. the yeah, but it's under it's stuff, deception. You know? It's 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 deception. Well, you're, see, you're I under get, the. I, I get I get that the fraud is bad, and I know there is a lot of fraud. But let's say the fraud aside. Let's just say that they put the money. They've got everybody in. thinking that they're well, giving people loans for homes that they aren't they aren't doing. They aren't giving. Well, well here's the here, here's the way That's to fix the it. They need There's to be a, honest and truthful and tell you up front what's happening, but they don't. They well, lead they get, everybody down a path. Go ahead. They, they could say, well, look, uh, we're promising to give you the funds, right? Right, which would make it a contract, right? A two-party contract. But what right. they want is an adhesion contract. That's why they never signed the note right. themselves, right? And if they sign the contract... Rather than a promissory note, then you could hold them to every letter on it too, right? Hello, I'm here. I'm here. So, so essentially, you know, it, it, in a contract, you can say, "Well, look, uh, well, see, in every contract, some sort of consideration is required from somebody." Okay, I'm going to give you a mortgage, you know, in consideration that you're going to give me the money when you say you're going to. So basically, if you give me money. Three weeks later, that's a gratuitous event. You're not re- obligated to pay it because the 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 contract, the, the adhesion contract, the promissory note says for the loan that you already received. So they would have to show to 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 work out in court. Let's say the way that they could win that was that they would show that you signed a receipt for the receipt of the $300,000, like it says, because there's a past tense transaction that happened before you signed the note. So they would have to have in their possession something that says that you received, you know, money before, you know. What if they show you a check made out to the buyer? Well, that's not to you then. Yeah, but unless the contract says that we, you know, uh, dear Fred, uh, you know, the, the promisor, uh, you know, by you signing the note and you signing a mortgage, <clears throat> you authorize us to pay so-and-so, you know, and you agreed to it. Well, then that, there you go. That that fixes the problem, there, right? But they right. don't do it, you know. But see, my, my point, though, is at the end of the day, I asked for a $200,000 house. I ended up with a $200,000 house. So as long as I'm paying the correct creditor, I don't really see the problem, right? Well, you as know, long you as I got what I paid for. That's you good. No, that's good. You made a hypothecation, and it isn't necessarily correct. I mean, just because, look, just because 100 people jump off the cliff, do you want to jump off the cliff too? Hey, if well, he feels is, good about it. And this has, like this has nothing thing. to do with jumping off a cliff. This is remaining in honor and paying your debt. Right. Keeping your word, well, we, right? We weren't, talking, we weren't talking about not being in honor. We're talking about your hypothecation that you got a house, right? And we're also talking about that there is no consideration because they didn't give you anything before what, you signed the what note. Is, what is, even though what is the, the note language says, even though I, the language says that they gave you a loan before and you never received it, that's a fraud right there. Well, I consider a $200,000 house consideration for my labor. Well, they're not right? giving it to you. The, the bank didn't give it to you. Who did? 
Well, whoever granted you the house, it certainly wasn't Bank of America. If that's where you got a promissory note, the letter claiming the See, the problem is, though, I can't monetize my note, or I would tell the bank to go pound salt. But I can't monetize my note, so I need the bank. We're not. Hey, may I I jump in now? Um, I've been waiting for a while, and I do understand what. Go ahead. Okay, Uh, I understand what Mike is saying, but it all goes back to what John Stover was saying many, many years ago. Show me the loan, and that's what the gentleman is speaking about. So if you guys understand the concept about signing the promissory note and then have some endorsements paid in order of some kind of bank, you'll understand the concept of show me the loan, and that will avoid a lot of conversations going back and forth. But what I want to talk about, I came in on the call like maybe 30 minutes ago, and the gentleman was speaking about the entities that are currently bankrupt or went out of business back in 2008, and now they're bringing in paperwork into the system or into courts to show that they're legitimate. And I want him to expand on that because uh, there is a lot of information, there's a lot of paperwork coming out now, and it's being presented in the courts as such. A lot of lenders or so-called creditors that presumably credit the homeowner's money are now out of business voluntarily or involuntarily, and a lot of uh, a lot of the companies or a lot of secretary of states have given them a cease business, or even the banking um, commissioners of those states have seized uh, their assets, not to seize their assets, but as talking about seizing their operations. Now, my question is. Uh, going into court with those information, or can you stylize how we should do our pleadings to emphasize those areas so the court could listen to say these are defunct entities that are bringing paperwork uh, by way of the servicers to make it seem that they're in existence? And you spoke about that, saying that they're not. So the question is remains, how can we properly present those information in our pleadings so the court will listen? Well, uh, speaking from experience, they don't want to listen to a homeowner that's in default, okay? No, I mean, as far as representation. Well, well, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm I'm making comments now, okay? Okay. Uh, But if you've got an expert that's qualified in banking, uh, that's a, a certified HUD counselor, that uh, has gotten uh, certifications uh, for uh, different types of lending and practices, right? And it knows that that does loans for people. You know, the judges are willing to listen to those people, right? And if you as a uh, defaulted borrower come in with an expert, um, and, and what I mean is not not in any form that's written, but actually having them show up to court with you and explain all, all, all this, uh, you know, stuff that's transacted here, you know, and they tell them, well, look, I did research on uh, Countrywide, and we found out that back in 2005, February, that uh, they didn't exist, according to uh, one of the federal regulators, right, uh, OCC, FDIC, uh Office of Thrift Supervision, or whatever it is, right? One of those regulators that they weren't in existence in there. But well, how come the loan would say Countrywide on there then, if if you got a loan from them, right? So number one, now all of a sudden you're showing the deception that happened from the very first instance. Okay, now if they come in with like uh, assignments and substitutions, 
every state has requirements of how substitutions and assignments are to occur. Okay, in a lot of states, they say that the person has got to sign a statement under penalty of perjury that uh, that uh, they're the holder in due course that. Uh, you know, uh, and, and how they came across the loan. They got to make a statement of how it came into their hands, and, and that they're a proper holder in due course, and and all this other stuff. And they're supposed to have a separate statement. Um, you know, but here it is: is that I bet every single uh, assignment and substitution that <clears throat> any of you on the call have have says doesn't have an under penalty of perjury statement it doesn't show how they became the holder in due course and uh things like this right so so the next job is is to identify by finding out oh, okay have you seen stuff that uh you know as as like, like uh the the feeland trust the uh, to b by uh by by Cesario trustee you know like yeah. that have you seen yeah. it? Uh, yeah. all right so basically mm-hmm. you got to go in there <clears throat> and you got to find out uh where <clears throat> whether these are statutory trusts or private trusts right and <clears throat> what what the the banking law says is they they have to comply with being a <clears throat> a statutory trust and that they also have to have a statutory trustee that's a corporation that's also resident in the state of incorporation <clears throat> okay so and there's requirements for that now if you find that they gave you a loan in 2004 let's say and they went out of business involuntarily by a court order, let's say in 2006, right? Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> then you find out this: is the resident agent uh, for the statutory trustee was the statutory trustee in compliance with state law regarding, you know, uh, you know the 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 the, the, the corporate, the uh, you know stuff you know the laws there right regarding statutory trustees in okay. most cases they don't do that so then the next phase is is that uh <clears throat> you go and look for the other company okay um that's written on there but now here's the problem if if you started out with countrywide and all of a sudden you got this other entity that we just talked about that was substituted in last year and they went out of business in 2006 involuntarily, and the Secretary of State forfeited their 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 authority. Well, they don't have authority seven years later or eight years later to come in and do a substitution now, right? Sure. And the the next step is is that you want to find out if if a corporation is uh, is required. You know, most states require a corporation or an entity to receive a certificate of authority in the state. And a lot of states make it a misdemeanor or a felony to transact business intrastate. So let's say you got a a Pennsylvania trust, okay, with a Pennsylvania statutory trustee. 
and they're operating over here in Nevada. And Nevada makes it a misdemeanor for any person that's acting on behalf of that corporation that doesn't have a certificate of authority. Well, that's how you want to tag these guys. You want to find out if they're in compliance with the laws and then go, and you can win that way. Well, let me let me share something with you, and I want to hear, I want to hear everyone's opinion on this. Uh, I've been to several courts, and I've seen different responses. The homeowner goes in there by themselves. They probably say the most brilliant things in the court. The judge doesn't give them any credibility at all. They bring an attorney with them. The attorney says the same thing, and the judge will listen to that. So. Am I wrong to say that if you go into the statutory world, you bring a statutory person with you to handle all these fraudulent things instead of relying on us who are basically homeowners to go into court and try to uh, dictate these these complicated issues? I'm not saying they're complicated. Well, here, here, here's, here's the problem with that is that you don't need an attorney to win um, because, number one, no attorney's going to – support your view on it, right? They're always going to try to go in with Tyler or Espa or something like that. And those are perfectly fine. But most homeowners, they can't talk about the specifics of what a statutory trust is and what a statutory trustee is. Okay? Right. And and how the law is supposed to work and whether it's a crime for a corporation or an entity to transact business in the state uh, what they do instead is they file paperwork and say, well, this is the magic bullet, and here I go. Uh, i got to go to court, and that's in uh, half an hour, so now I get to court. <clears throat> and they call my name, and I step up, and I say, well, judge, are you going to grant me it, or are you going to deny it? And they say, well, deny it, because you didn't explain it, right? And most homeowners don't explain it, or they get off on the tangent that, uh, well, it was securitized, and you know the 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 money streams are this way, and therefore they don't got a right to, and all this other stuff. And judges don't want to hear about that, right? Well, that's the problem with with most homeowners is they can't stand there and be very pointed, and you know you don't know how to object properly. Uh, oftentimes, the judge will trick you, and 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 what we got to realize is that judges are required to take acting classes for six months in order to graduate from school, you know? So, okay. So you're saying yeah. that homeowners should go there, but only with uh, an expert personnel with them, or an agent or something you mentioned earlier? To well, you, you, need, you know, it would help if you had an expert that really knew what they're talking about, you know? I mean, to call like a, a, a CFLA auditor is not going to help you because they're, you know, they're a bunch of people that only look at computer screens and they don't do any work other than that, right? Right, okay. They go to Bloomberg and uh, figure, well, if Bloomberg done got it, then that means that, uh, you know, it's not proper, but... Excuse I me. mean, I've went into court before and presented the PSA arguments, let them know the assignment is basically invalid, is void, and things like that, and the lower courts have uh, affirmed that. The only problem is the higher courts, the appeals court, are, are basically rejecting that idea, using the same argument as far as uh, the homeowner is not a party to the contract, they can't discuss those matters and things like that. And that's the argument they're still using in the higher courts. Even though they could win in the lower courts, uh, they're having trouble in the appeals court. So well, here's I've the noticed... thing. If they say that, if they say 
that you, you're not a party to it. Well, what do you mean? You know, I'm the one that signed the, the mortgage and the, and the note. What do you mean? I mean, everything that stems from there, all the assignments and substitutions and whether it was securitized or placed in one of those vehicles, yeah. you know, it, it I, I do have standing because my name is on the note and the stuff that they're using to foreclose on me. What do you mean I don't have standing to go and talk about uh you know uh what whether the the assignment is proper or not you know that's that that error is in, that that thinking is in error you know so right, but the you, know, you got to watch out for that what well the higher courts are using that kind of reasoning to sh- to shoot down the uh the i guess the order that comes down from the lower courts so well, that's I the, know, but you you, you got to the thing is is that some, you know you, you got to realize that there's been a lot of yahoos that went up there and presented the same argument and uh, didn't really know how to handle it on appeal or set up the questions right or or the appeal right and lose, okay? So now what you got to do, you got to realize that you got to say, number one, whatever the courts ruled on in the last 100 years regarding this issue doesn't doesn't matter because, you know, regarding like non-judicial foreclosures, for example, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And... You know, they said, well, there's extensive framework for not, uh, non-judicial uh, foreclosures in, in the rules. Well, where are they? Well, when you ask them that, they shut up and then, you know. So basically, you got to read the, the civil procedure for foreclosure of mortgages and uh, and, and houses like that, right? So you, you got to read all that stuff. I mean, it's not going to be easy because most people, you know, they, they write the, the, the statutes and the codes. Yeah. Uh, you know, with so much extra fluff in there that most people get lost in there and they can't cross out the impertinent stuff in there, right? The, the stuff that's explanatory and interpolative, you know, right. because they don't put brackets around those explanatory, you know, things in there, right? So, uh, you know, when you go down there, you figure, well, you know, they, they twisted that around me, didn't they? You know, because you didn't understand it. So what you got to do is realize that, look, the law says in California, under this Civil Code of Procedure 700 over here, that it requires the foreclosure of mortgages be done in court under this chapter here, right? Right. Uh, so, so basically, when the appeals court comes in and says, well, you know, that argument doesn't make it because the courts ruled 100 years that non-judicial foreclosures are okay. Well those opinions are, are are bogus, right? And they're void because that only applied to what one Yahoo said over there. And that's not the argument that I'm saying right here about what this law says, you know? The, and uh, so therefore we got to go with what the law says. And, you, you know, the judges can't make up and, and, and say that the law means something different just by giving you a, a judicial decision on an appeal, right? So, you know, if you are going to appeal stuff, then you got to, be able to formulate your, you know, your appeal errors in such a way that they see the light there, you know, and, you know, not every judge is always going to see it. It's just like, uh, did did you watch uh, um, InfoWars with uh, Alex Jones talking about Trump and uh, how Hillary's got all the media paid off, all the the stations and all the, the, you know, off you know, the online uh, stuff paid off for and her, uh, I, you know, uh, I mean, if you see 
what went on there, you can see that, uh, you know, that uh, mo- most of these people that call themselves Democrat are very violent because, you know, uh, you know, if they don't like something, they get violent about stuff rather than talking about it, you know. And it's like, look, if you get violent, you know, you're not going right. to well, be I have to win. Some- I have, I have one more question, and it's and it should it should apply to everyone out there. Uh, what is your what is your um, information, or what is your your take on the fact that going back to bankruptcy, that we have a, an entity uh, supposedly on the assignment of mortgage that's that's a lender, and they granted um, MERS is also a nom- solely nominee for them, but you know what a nominee is. Uh, well, there's a different definition uh, about what they're talking about, but I'm just going to well, go into the What do you know what a nominee area. is? No, I mean, do you know what a nominee is? I mean, because you you brought that specifically up. Yes, because it's on the assignment of mortgage. What, what is what? the nominee? Well, what's your definition of it? What's there's several the definition? definitions. Well, I'm asking you. Yeah. Well, I'm asking you. <laughs> well, but you brought it up. Not a, I, mean, you, I know. You, mean you don't After understand all the words that you throw out there. Right, no, I'm just saying. Well, a, a nominee is is an agent, okay? Right, right. But when I, my question is this: uh, the entity that MERS is acting as nominee for is currently bankrupt. Now, in 2016, they have assignment of mortgage with that bankrupt entity, and MERS is still a nominee for them, and they're assigning mortgages to the trust. Now, I know everyone, probably a lot of people out there have those kind of documents in their possession right now. What can be done about those? Because I know the bankruptcy laws, when, the, when, the, when those lenders are in bankruptcy, they can't assign anything to anyone except through a bankruptcy trustee. If they do assign the mortgages without the bankruptcy trustee permission, they have, they have, they have committed uh, bankrupt, criminal bankruptcy violations against their codes. Now, and that creates a void assignment, and the research that I've done shows that the status of MERS as nominee for that lender that went to bankruptcy ended at the time the bankruptcy commenced. Can you comment on those? Well, you, you mentioned a couple of things, MERS, okay. Do you have a, do you have a, a deed of trust, for example? Uh, yes, mortgage. Yeah, in this state, we have mortgages. Okay, do do you okay, well in most deeds of trust and and a lot of mortgages mm-hmm. they say that that MERS is a nominee uh and assigned for all of lenders assigns you know, right? Right. And that MERS is the beneficiary. So basically right. what we're talking about here with And they MERS, say MERS is a mortgagee also on those documents. Well, then MERS is the only one that can foreclose on you. It can't be ABC Corporation, even though it was assigned by the, the lender to ABC or substituted the uh, the trustee with ABC. You know they right. can't do it because, you know, in the transfer of rights in the property, it says that MERS is the only one that that can be substituted for all assigns of the lender. Okay, you know MERS is always the nominee and the successor to the lender and the lender's assigns, okay? So that means that Mer it can never, even though that the lender can assign it to anybody else, the only person that can foreclose is MERS, okay? Now, 
you're talking about something else about putting something in a trust. Let's say you take something from number one trust. Okay, so you, you got your lender that assigned it supposedly to number one trust. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden they switch it to number two trust and number three trust down, you know, let's say in two or three years, right? <clears throat> all of a sudden you got number three trust foreclosing on you. Well, the, the law states that in order for a substitution to happen from one trust to another, to take it out of the pool, the mortgage pools, um, well, what they got to do is they got to get the beneficiary and all of the trustee, I mean, not the trustees, but the stakeholders in the trust to sign mm -hmm. off on that, to transfer that out of one trust into another. Okay, because... What is it? It's an asset. So they got to go and do that, but they never do that. So there's another weakness that you can attack them on when looking at it that way, you know. So that's uh you know, so anyway, that 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 pretty much explains your 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 you know, your your question there because there's I a lot appreciate to think about. Yeah, yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks Angela. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, okay, next up is, uh, oh, I guess Roddy took his hand down. I don't have any more questions. Anybody else have a question or a comment? Press star eight. Okay, Donaldson. Oh. Hmm. Uh. Let's see here. All right, go ahead. What's your guest name? Kevin. I'm sorry. Kevin. Kevin. Hey, Kevin. How you doing there? What's up? Hey, man, it's wet, dude. Today in in the uh, Bay Area, Northern California, super wet. Okay. Got the, I got wet the big umbrella too. out. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, uh, I've got this insurance thing going on right now. I'm about to um, seek settlement. I'm making it, I'm about to like basically write the insurance company as well as the corporation and let them know that I'm going to seek a demand for a, a bicycle. Well, I was injured on my personal injury claim basically from an insurance company for a vehicle that hit my that struck my arm as they, when when they opened the door so i was proceeding down the road on a bike and a car struck my arm when it opened its door rapidly as i was passing the right side so i filed my claim already um i was reading nolo to get some tips though you know like as far as the process, like what to expect from the uh I know about the, the, the judicial process, but I didn't know what to expect from the insurance company. And one of the things that I noticed was that uh, the, they didn't even argue with me any because they had the other party admitting that they were guilty. So a lot of times, um, you know, like basically this other party admitted that they were guilty. So the insurance company told me that I have a claim. I was, I've been following up on it for over a week now. So yeah, I they haven't be... paid you yet, have they? No, 
But you know what they told me was this. They said, Donaldson, you, you have two years. I want to tell you about, let's talk about statutes of limitations. That's what they said. Scott, his name is Scott. Scott said, let's talk about statutes of limitations. You have two years in California to sue us, like file a lawsuit, or send us a demand letter, basically. And what the NOLO book... Uh, who are you talking about? You mean the insurance company? Right. Right. So what NOLO said was that when the insurance company starts to make... They, they gave me an ultimatum. They said, you can sue us or you can send us a demand. But they did not explain what they meant by demand. When I went into more research and discovered that the demand is merely a general term, right, with regard to a claim, okay, that actually begins the in negotiation process between the negotiator and the injured or the, the one making the claimant. Um, and, you know, I, I, I find it to, they basically said that I have a claim. Um, what, what can I expect? as far as what they're going to try and do to try to wiggle out of this. I mean, I have pictures. This person even admits it. They sent me their insurance information. I think I pretty much have a winning scenario here, and all I have to really do is do the paperwork to actually reap the rewards of the injurious incident. But tell me, I mean, what, what, how could they possibly wiggle out of this? Well, I, I was reading some cases about how people open their car doors and the car uh, smashed the door and ripped it off the car. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the party that opened the door wasn't at fault. It was the guy that ran into their door, you know. So I don't think you're going to have much luck on that one. Okay. So you're saying... I mean, I've seen a lot of cases like that, you know, because if you're coming behind somebody... You, you got to be aware that they're aware what they're doing, and uh, if you run into their car as they're pulling out, it'd be your fault, you know. You said it's my fault. Uh, well, well, it's like let's say if you're driving a car, mm-hmm. and you come to a you park it, and then you open right. your door, and all of a sudden somebody hits your door. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily your fault because somebody should have been in control of the vehicle and made sure that they didn't hit your door, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even though I could say, yeah, I opened the door and you ran into it. Well, how come you're such an idiot for running into my door when I open it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that because a bicycle doesn't have a motor on it, it's actually not a motor vehicle. And courts have already ruled that um, motorists, uh, drivers and motorists actually in automobiles have a duty to, um, really be diligent when it comes to safety uh, and remembering that bicyclists are literally, uh, you know, right around them. It could be right around the corner from them. And and so ultimately this person was parked illegally as well. Um, what do they you were mean parked, parked illegally? They, had, they were parked because they had no hazards on, stopped in the bicycle sure. lane and also in the bus loading zone. So they're basically doing a loading app action. I didn't. I figured they were doing it. I I knew it was basically illegal. But I'm going to go were around one of their were sides. They un- were they unloading their vehicle 
uh, unloading passengers or freight for hire, or were they just getting out of the car because they wanted to? Definitely, it was a commercial vehicle. It was a cargo van being used by a sushi restaurant. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Well, you know. This person filed a claim. What I'm saying is, what the, can you tell me something that they're going to do to try to wiggle out of it? I think they're going to probably try to say, I wasn't wearing a helmet, or maybe possibly, um, you know, uh, maybe make me try to push the issue and go to court because I'm not, repre- I'm not represented. Yeah, well, you know, I had a guy, uh, oh, I I knew somebody that was parked on the street. They'd just gotten in their car and it had been wet out. It dewed very heavy that night, and uh, they got in their car, and this guy was driving really close down there, and uh, they, they started their car up. They didn't move, and all of a sudden, this car crashes into their car. While it's still parked, right? And the insurance company uh, sent them a letter saying, well, you know, you did $5,000 damage to uh, so-and-so's car while it was parked on the, you know, you know, you caused it because, you know, the guy ran into it, right? And uh, so the the people filed a, uh, a small claims action against these, this guy after the insurance company sent them a $5,000 bill to fix the guy's car, well, th- this is how it happens, is the judge will ask you, well, Mr. So-and-so, uh, did you crash into uh, M- Mr. Smith's car on uh, October 1st, uh, 1978? Yes, I did, Your Honor. You know? <laughs> well, guess what? He admitted that he ran into it, right? So... You know, it, it could go a lot of different ways, but uh, I don't think you're going to win that one. Hmm, that's, that's, I hear you. Um, okay, I guess uh, I just have this right here. I've been looking up from Thompson v. Kitchesee, 1956. It's kind of an old case, but uh, in bicycle passenger action, bicycle passenger, that's not a good one because uh, I'm – I'm the guy that's riding the bike. Well, you're not a passenger. I'm not a passenger, exactly. No. Um, Here we go. A negligence action for injury to or death of a bicycle rider in an accident involving a motor vehicle generally is brought against the driver. An action based on the driver's negligence also may lie against the the non-driver owner of the vehicle. In In my case, it would be basically the corporation. Okay, or the driver, basically the driver's employer. Okay, or check this out. It says here the family member under the family purpose doctrine. So, it, if it was basically a family car and not a corporation, it would be the the head of the household and the owner of the uh, vehicle, the car itself, um, under the family purpose doctrine. And that person under the family purpose doctrine would be liable. Can you can you reflect on that a little bit? Because what what I just mentioned was kind of like a distinction, a fine distinction between this this public type action and then you know where the where the public's going to kind of have to come in and be liable, and then they may try to punish for some things, right? Maybe breaking some sort of statutory or ordinance, you know, uh, statute ordinance for traffic or whatever. But how can they do that if you have the head of the household willing to punish the user of the vehicle. You see, why does the state always step in and try and punish 
especially in vehicle matters like this, where the, where the head of the household is clearly taking the liability. Mm, well, uh, you know, I mean, look, you, you're trying to get into an area that's pretty well settled about accidents, you know. I mean, it's like I, I told you about the case that I saw where the guy opened his door and the guy hit the door and ripped it off the car. Well, you know, it... Uh, it was the guy driving the car that hit the door that was uh, found liable in that situation, right? It's like the, the court found for the reasons that they found for the guy, you know? And, uh, you know, similarly, I mean, look, uh, it, it's just the same as, uh, you know, uh, your car, uh, you know, you park your car and some guy comes along and hits it when you're not there. Who's liable for that? You know, even if it's in a red zone or a non-stopping zone, who's liable for, for hitting the car? Right. Who, who is? Well, okay, well, the city maybe, but... No, the city the, isn't, no. They Maybe, who knows who the circumstances were. Not necessarily, I mean, look, if you had a car parked in a red zone today, today, and some guy comes along and hits it, and, you know, it's not on a curb or nothing and, it's, you know, stuff like that. Who, who's the one at fault for hitting it? Well, there you go. Hitting you just feedback. delineated it. There you go. What's that? A little bit of feedback. Who's you responsible for hitting the car? Right. Well, you just said if there, as long as there was no problem with the curb or anything like that. Now, that depends on the circumstances. But with regards no, uh, to... No, just, uh, just, okay. just, just generally a parked car. I mean, a car a car is parked there, and you come along and you hit it. Who's responsible for hitting the parked car? Even though there isn't anybody there, who's responsible for hitting the car? Hit it? Huh? The one that hit the car is, is responsible, ultimately... Right, but there's right. no one and that's, that's going to take the blame. So, right. Ultimately, well, the thank, thank God. The, in the my situation, the, 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 is the guy that hit the car, right? Driving the car that was parked. See, and look, I've I've never hit a car that was parked <laughs> driving down the street. <laughs> right. You know, well, a, I kind of, you know, I kind of have a win-win situation right now because the person actually admits that they open their door on me so rapidly as to strike my arm, basically, as I was kind of slowly riding, you know, riding by. I mean, going about five miles an hour, basically, but then to open the car door rapidly. But, you know, a lot of cases have actually, you know, ruled in favor of the bicyclist because of the duty of the, of the driver or corporation to be diligent and, and when it comes to safety. So, and, and because, you know, bicycles are not motor vehicles, Maybe under ordinance they're expected to follow by, you know, the community rules or laws and stuff, you know. But, again, it, it, it all depends on if you know who you are, I guess, when you go in there, when you make the final claim. But in writing, in the t- when it comes to tone and talking and communication with this insurance company, Donaldson's – I'm going to basically – I was going to speak in third person for a second. Thank you, Mike. But I was basically going to, you know, write them and let them know, hey, look, I, I seriously do have a claim, you know, because my arm is, first of all, injured. You took all this time away from me, okay, that what I'm... What happened to your arm? Bruised. You got it bruised or what? Well, no, it was basically like a bone issue. Like, it hit my heart, arm pretty hard. It was, it, was, it was pretty close to a fracture. 
But it wasn't our but, fracture. This was bruise deep. Yeah, it's a deep bruise, basically. And yeah. uh, it lasted more than basically a week, but it cost me work. And it's also lost, I lost my bike in the, in the effect of it because I was um, kind of startled by the incident. I wasn't paying attention to my bike, and, and I didn't lock it, and someone walked off with it. And then, um, so there's a bike loss issue, but there's also the sleeping issue. I have been losing sleep at night and all these things. And, you know, of course, all this will go into my demand letter for the insurance. And I'm going to do it without a lawyer. I believe it's possible. Uh, well, if you win, uh, get back on here and let us hear it, you know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But I was just seeing if you knew of any ways they were going to try and wiggle out of it or if you've been anything through anything like this before. I have seen one out with something no, I've like heard this of it. before. I've, I've even... I've even seen guys uh, try to set motorists up with uh, fraudulent insurance claims by ramming the side of their cars, you know, you know, and causing a couple thousand dollar damage to cars, you know, from bicyclists. So, you know, it's like, I don't really support bicyclists to do stuff like that unless you get run over by the car and you're on the crosswalk, you know, then you got something to worry about. Well, what about the family purpose doctrine? I know there's probably other hands up, but let me, let me ask you this before I get my, this is my last question. And thank you, Kevin. Uh, by the way, uh, Happy New Year. Um, Not the family yet. purpose doctrine. <laughs> I know it seems like it, but it, it it's a something that seems to be. You've been drinking like a some uh, wild. You've been drinking some uh, tequila or something, oh, I've been or drink- what? I've I've definitely been drinking, but not from tequila. <laughs> <laughs> the family the family purpose doctrine is something that really adds. You know, get, like tickles my my hide, it, uh, you know, chaps my hide because I can't seem to figure it out. Okay, it tickles my hide too, Roddy. Just so you know, but uh, no, it chaps my hide because it appears as though people who have gotten into car accidents or even into DUI situations where they were driving either their father or you know or the head of the household's car, they were still punished by the state when that was technically a misapplication of of the law because it wasn't even the person's car it was the the head of the household's car the liability would have went to them and the punishment should have been under them as well meaning under their rule authority not the state's authority can you speak to that please and thanks for taking my questions have a good night sir well you know you're getting into some areas there where you know, you admitted that the guy ran it. You ran into him. You know, that's uh, you know that's a big one right there. Um, uh, I don't know if you put anything. No, no, no. You, you, I wasn't thinking about that right now. I just I was actually talking about something completely separate. My insurance. Well, well I know, claim, but, but, but yeah, yeah, I know. If but you want to talk about that again. About, well, well, I'm, I'm going there. Okay. So, I mean, uh, you, you admitted that you ran into the guy when his car was parked and you opened the door. Okay. No, no, no. I the car was stopped, apparently parked, in a bus loading, and in a bike zone. So I go to move around it. I'm I have the right of way because I'm on the street, and there's not a stop sign or a, a light or anything. The the car's parked illegally. It's not. At, so I go to move to pass it, and I choose the right side. Okay. So you, then did you I'm, see the guy? Did you see the guy stopping and you know? No. That? 
No, I, I spotted the vehicle ahead of me about 50 feet ahead of me is when I first noticed it. And I was like, okay, this is a vehicle 50 feet ahead of me. No, you know, I'm going to go either to the right or to the left. Well, the right looks safer. I'll go there. Okay, boom. You know? Because on the left-hand side, you had the bus zone, the red zone where it's mostly taxis and, and, and the buses that are on the electric rail. And then there's... So and there's also these rails on the ground. So if I take my bicycle that way, I could take a chance of basically riding into the rail with my with my tire, and that could land me in an accident too. So the safer route was obviously on the right side of the vehicle. So I just went that way, slowed down a little bit, and then it was really on a, just kind of like a rapid opening of the door. The you know. So honestly, you, people think you know if you say I ran into a parked car, I mean that's. That's really not the scenario. I mean, yeah, the car was parked in a bus. Here, here's, a, here's another thing. If I was a judge, I'd ask you. Uh, I'd ask you if you knew what the basic uh, law on passing is. Uh, do you know what that is? Well, it depends on what city you're in. That's what I would. Oh, say. what's the basic law in California regarding passing in a vehicle? Well, I'm, well, the, you have to make sure that you do diligence. You know, saying when you're when you're making. If you're coming around someone that's stopped, you don't have to do anything. You just have to pass safely. Okay. So what what what's more uh, to to the safety issue? What does California law? What what does the California passing law say? Well, when you're moving or when you're, I mean, it, you're being kind of slightly ambiguous. <laughs> no, not. I'm just trying to. You're saying what is the California moving law? I'm not moving. No, what, what's the what's the California passing law? The passing law. Uh, I don't know. What is it? Angela, do you know? Angela. Yeah, I don't think is is it? What? I don't know. Is there a pass? I, I don't you got know. A driver license or what? <laughs> Here, here's, here's what I know to be. Here's what I know. So here's what I know. You have to speed up if you're going to pass somebody right in front of them. Okay, speed up. You never slow down to pass somebody. And then you always put your signal on at least, um, you know, like uh, 10 seconds before or five seconds, five to 10 seconds before you're going to pass and get, you know, change lanes. But yeah, I mean, that's all driving, motor vehicles, moving on the road, traveling in a car, stuff. But when it comes to bicycles, there are some different rules. It's different for bicyclists, especially in a city with bike lanes. Wouldn't well, you agree? I mean, well, the thing is, is it has nothing to do with how many seconds that you're, you know, away from a car. It's how many feet, you know, that it, it requires you to uh, to do something, right? It's, you know, okay. and I like uh, it. okay. So basically, if you look at what the California passing law. Is I would I would go to California Vehicle Code, you know, two one six five zero. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me look it up. C A V E A. That's what I thought you were asking for is a code section or a number or something. Well, that's exactly where we're going. What's the number? Uh, two one six five zero. Okay. Vehicle, 
a vehicle shall be driven upon the right half of the roadway, which is exactly where I was, except as follows. A, when overtaking and passing another vehicle, proceeding in the same direction under the rules governing that movement. Oh, thank you for... Oh, man, that even solidifies my claim even more because this car was totally not moving. That's awesome. Well, it doesn't matter. It says passing. It it says that you shall pass to the left. It doesn't say to the right. Yeah, but it also says... It says when, when overtaking... And passing when another vehicle. And passing another, right? So yeah. Read all so those here's the key now. word. Here's the key. Here's the key word. When overtaking uh, and passing another vehicle, proceeding in the same direction. <laughs> well, it could be stationary <laughs> too. It could be stationary. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't say stationary. It says proceeding. But, well, it's going. It, it's pointed the same direction. That's what they mean by that. So go ahead. Read, their, well, read the section tough. there. Read the section the, there. All right, let me. I'm actually always reading the excerpt from it. Whoa, I'm getting some sort of server error. You go to legal info. Yeah, it's giving me some server errors. It won't give me the whole thing, but it does say the section A when when overtaken and passing another vehicle proceeding in the same direction under the rules governing that movement. That's all I have. Do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, uh, let me get it out here. But, you know, that that's the pertinent section right there. Uh, let me see. Yeah. Here's another one. Uh, so whenever any roadway has been divided into two or more clearly marked lanes for traffic in one direction, the following rules apply. Vehicle shall be driven as nearly as practical entirely within a single lane and shall not be moved from the lane until such movement can be made with reasonable safety. B. Go ahead. That was an interesting little ditty, but official signs right, right. may so be... It places, the yeah. bur- it places the burden on the driver passing to do it safely, okay? So go ahead. Right. Shall not be moved from the lane until such movement can be made with reasonable safety. So what I did was when this part... No, 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 no. Was- keep on reading now. Keep on reading. I moved with reasonable safety, just so you know. No, no, no. Keep on reading now. All right. All right. I just wanted to clarify. Official signs may be erected directing slow-moving traffic to use a designated lane or allocating specified lanes to traffic moving in the same direction. And drivers of vehicles shall obey the directions of the traffic device. And that's it. All right. Hold on. I'm going to get something out here. Yeah, you have probably something more. Because there's a whole section. It's, it's, it's actually 21650 through 21664. And this, right. there's a lot of different, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of bunch of them there. Yeah, I know. Let's see here. But it was on the right side of the road. There was also markings on the ground for the for them to be diligent to pay attention to. Maybe they didn't know they were parked in the bike lane. Well, just because there's a bike lane doesn't mean that it's it's safe to be on that bike lane the whole time, even, you know. <laughs> Ooh, okay, I hear you, but if the, if the bikes are a part of the road... You know, you know what it is? Duty, I, I was, I, have you ever attended traffic school? No. Well, when you go there... 
let's say you see a guy crossing the double yellow line directly at you. Are you going to proceed uh, down the same path or what? <clears throat> no. Or are you going to get out of the way? Definitely not. I'll be on the right-hand side of the road. So, so basically, the, the whole thing is is that the, the line is not going to save you even though you got the right-of-way, right? Okay, so here it is. Driving, overtaking, and passing, okay? Let's have some fun with this one. <laughs> it could Driving happen. on the right uh-huh. side, overtaking and passing, 21750. Okay. All right, so that's where we're going right here. There we go. So the driver of a vehicle overtaking another vehicle, is that what you're going to read? Right. Shapas on the left side without interfering with the safe operation of the overtaken vehicle. So that means the responsibility is on you. Okay, go to the next one. Okay. The driver of a vehicle overtaking another preceding it shall pass to the left at a safe distance without interfering with the safe operation of the overtaken vehicle. So you're driving to the right overtaking him. Okay. So this is what you should expect, that that the judge or whoever else you're going to do, they're going to come up with this stuff. Okay. That's good. Yeah, driver I like that. I need to be aware. What's that? No, I said I need to be aware of this. This is excellent. So, you know, that's where you're really going, you know. You got to go, shall pass, okay, 21750A, okay. Shall pass to the left at a safe distance without interfering with the safe operation of the overtake. Okay, so basically what happens there is that you got to make sure you're far enough away from that vehicle if, if it should move or, you know, not to interfere with the vehicle that you're passing by, whether it's moving or stationary, right? So, uh, you know, here's a guy uh, that uh, got uh, hit and run, you know. So basically if you hit the guy's car and you ran, I mean, it'd be your own fault, right? But you didn't run. <laughs> well, check this. Yeah, but uh, you know what's interesting about what you just said is that, that if you go to 21751, it it goes on. To, this is California codes, just so you know. California Vehicle Code, Section 21751, which is, says on a two-lane highway, no vehicle shall be driven to the left side of the center of the roadway, right, in overtaking and passing another vehicle proceeding in the same direction unless the left side is clearly visible and free of oncoming traffic for a sufficient distance ahead to permit such overtaking and passing. Um, And I think what they're mainly talking about is going over the double yellow line. So, they're probably well, over the center yeah. of the, the roadway. I mean, you know, yeah. so basically, so so if it's unsafe, what do you do? You stop, right? If there's another yeah. vehicle coming on the other way, right? So, I mean, this is this is what you got to look at because this is what they're going to hit you with, you know? Well, I mean, I can hear that argument. Well, but the other thing would have, would, you would have to really say, like, like with the amount of bicycles, common law would would actually 
demand that they pay attention to the fact that San Francisco is crowded with bicycles and that any driver has a duty to pay attention to, to bicyclists on the, on the main road on Market Street right next to New Montgomery, you know, that, that they shouldn't be stopped in a bike lane or in a bus loading only zone without their hazards on. So, yeah, maybe I hit the door and pass on the right when I should have passed on the left according to the vehicle code, but I should have been wearing a helmet too. But the fact that I wasn't wearing a helmet would not have protected me from my arm injury regardless. So whether well, I moved instead of hitting left, your left arm, you probably would have hit your right arm, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then you could so, have so, yeah. <laughs> still these. I know. <laughs> it's funny. So there's these like little fine nuances, you know, uh, to pay yeah, attention there is. to. So. The, the, you ask what they're going to hit you with, so I think I gave you what you need to know, you know. Excellent, excellent. Thanks a lot, Kevin. And uh, you, I think I've heard your voice before, um, but have you been on Angela's call before? Yeah. All right. Kevin, what's your last name? Or do you go? Do you use an alias or a last name? Yeah, I do. But, you know, Kevin's good for now. <laughs> Kevin's good. All right, Kevin. Man, thanks a lot, bud. Yeah, you got it. Okay, later. For yeah. your time. Okay, next up is Ms. Johnson. You've been unmuted. Hello, Ms. Johnson. Ms. Johnson, wow, that sounds like a very... That's what wow. it says here. It says M.S. Johnson. Oh, Ms. Johnson, did you want to Ms. say something? Ms. Johnson. <laughs> Paging Ms. Johnson. All right, I tell you what, if you want to ask a telephone, please. <laughs> if you want to ask a question, put your hand up by pressing star 8. Sometimes people press it by accident, but uh maybe she fell asleep. I don't know. All right. Yeah. Snoring? <laughs> uh no, but uh it sounded like no one was there. Next up, Eric 77, go ahead, you've been unmuted. Go ahead, Eric. Eric seventy seven, you've been unmuted. Hmm. All right, well when you figure it out, put your hand back up. Miss Johnson's back. There you go. <laughs> Did you want to ask a question? Hi. Yes, uh, we can hear you now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um actually I had been at holding and forgot that I was on you. <laughs> okay. That happened. Uh, good evening, oh. everyone. I just wanted to um, touch a little bit on the foreclosures the gentleman was speaking prior on, and I wanted to get your opinion on uh, the the ninety-one. I think it was $91 million that one person had actually won for the robo-signing. There are so many people out there who have robo-signing on their documents, but no one else seems to be able to get anything past the robo-signing. So, um, well, the, and the, the way the, the way that I look at those those, those documents, like the substitutions and the uh, the assignments right. of, of these rights, 
uh, I know in California and Arizona and Nevada and a lot of other uh, states, uh, basically there's a a lot of requirements there, okay, for you to do a substitution, and you got to look what those are, and you can nail them on that, because if they don't do it under penalty of perjury, they don't put a separate statement showing how they became the holder in due course, and you can't become a holder in due course under the UCC if you bought it, you know, a $400,000 house for $10,000, you know, you can't do it, you know. And especially if the uh, lender's been out of business for 10 years, you know. Uh, and, and that's what you got to do is you got to look at what the assignments and the substitutions laws say in your state to, and attack them on that, right? Because some of them are very strict, you know. They tell you, you know, you got to do five or ten things on them, you know. Right. And um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the title insurance companies. Um I'm trying to understand the role of the homeowner and the title insurance company. I used to do settlements. I'd come to your home or wherever you wanted me to come to witness your signature. And I noticed 90% of the time the documents that were um, placed in front of the homeowner, there's one form that it says, a lender's insurance coverage. There was two boxes that would either be both boxes, boxes were empty and were not checked, and one box was always checked, and that was lender's coverage. So I began to put two and two together because I've faced several calls recently to different title companies to find out how do I get a copy of the title insurance policy to find out whether or not a claim from the lender has been paid? Well, all you got to do is find out, number one, is ask them if there was a policy taken out, mortgage insurance taken out, and, and then the next letter would be, uh, was it paid, you know? <laughs> well... The young lady um, that I spoke to this evening, uh, she did say that the lender from 2007, Lehman Brothers, did uh, file a claim. And the company, this company, did pay it. They didn't close that claim until 2015. So I was trying to figure out how do we get the information uh, in its entirety, from the title company. Now, on page two of the settlement statement, on uh, I think it's line 1100, 1101, I don't have it in front of me, but the homeowner paid for the lender's title insurance, and if by chance the homeowner knew to ask for coverage on owner's title insurance. So it would be those two lines on page two, owner's title insurance and lender's title insurance. If it has a figure beside it, we should be able to ask for anything we want from that title company in, in terms of copies or who filed the claim or who paid it and what was the amount, when was it paid. But this lady is asking me, 
why are you asking all these questions? And I'm in my words, I'm saying, well, I paid for it. I paid to ask these questions. So if if the title well, insurance company, I, 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 I don't think I don't think title insurance is where you want to really be looking at. You want to be looking at mortgage default insurance, you know, and getting the dope on that, you know. Well, FDIC is required to insure uh, accounts. So, you know, your transaction account when you borrow money, they're, they're required to insure that account against loss, you know. So when the bank gives you a loan, for example, or the lender, if they're if they're an FDIC uh, member bank, then they're required to cover the account. Okay, so, you know, and that's called mortgage default insurance. That's where you want to go, I would say. Okay, so default. So I have to mortgage, find out whether or not mortgage a default. lender or a large lender actually, <clears throat> um, actually, um, took out default insurance on my property? Yeah, yeah. That's where I'd start. Okay, because I'm trying to I'm trying to think where exactly would I begin to look for that information because default insurance at the only time that I Seen or heard or it was brought up was I received something in the mail where the lender had put first place insurance on the property because they claimed that there was no insurance on the property covering them. And well, the thing is, they, 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 they usually get out this mortgage default insurance. And they require you to get some kind of fire and some kind of hazard insurance, right? In case something happens to the stuff, right? But uh, look, you know, I guess if you're uh, you're in default, you might want to just make the beneficiary yourself under that policy. <laughs> so that one time, that last piece. Well, if it was me, I'd probably take out make make myself the beneficiary under some kind of insurance on, you know, for uh, the house, you know, you know, for fire okay. and hazard on the house, I'd make yourself the beneficiary. Okay. Um, there's one more, one more question that I have. Um, that's not going to stop you. From, that's not going to keep you from being foreclosed on having an insurance policy. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But and, and then since you brought that up, um, stopping the foreclosure, I was I was thinking that I know a lot of people will file bankruptcy and I know that um filing bankruptcy will sort of stay on the file on the um foreclosure. Um, but I, I don't I don't know if there's anything other than bankruptcy that can stop the foreclosure. Well, sometimes because if you get most the, people uh, don't know. Sometimes most if people you don't get... know that when you receive that order, that order to docket, most people don't know what order to docket means. 
and and they sleep on it, and and they were supposed to respond to it. And when they first got it in the mail, they first will get the notice of intent to foreclose, and then here comes the order to dock it. So then it'll take you to state court. Well, you know, if you can get the, uh, if you can get a, uh, what do you call it? A discharge, and there's no creditors listed that's accepted. There's there's no uh, there's no uh, lien to pass through. So you you could do that, but you gotta you, you run the risk of them getting uh, relief from the automatic stay and taking your house from you. <laughs> but but where are you I'm at anyway? Is, what I'm finding out also is that several people filed bankruptcy, and the creditors nine times out of ten do not show up for the creditors meeting. So what they do have in place is this little hidden clause uh, on the bankruptcy paperwork that says that even though you filed bankruptcy, bankruptcy, it doesn't mean that they can't come back and um, it doesn't apply to mortgages is what they're saying. But yet, I'm I'm looking at it doesn't apply to mortgages. So you can list the mortgage all you want on your bankruptcy. But if you look on um, one of those pages that they send you back and, it's, and it approves your bankruptcy, I think on the back of it, it will tell you in small print that your mortgage is not included. So it will not discharge the mortgage if you dispute the debt. There's a little box on the bankruptcy form that you can check off to dispute the debt if you put down the mortgage company because I heard you earlier say they never lent anything. So, well, I, I, I would dispute that myself. I mean, because basically if you get a discharge order and it does not have an exception to a creditor, the creditor gets nothing because they'd have to, let's say you got a Bank of America loan, right? Right. And you went to, to bankruptcy and you got a discharge under a Chapter 7, let's say. You know, I know this goes contrary to a lot, what a lot of lawyers would tell you, but the, the fact is is that that uh, a discharge acts as an injunction from continuation, collection, offset of any debt or anything, right? But right. get a discharge order and it doesn't have an exception to Bank of America, there's no lien to pass through because it's not accepting Bank of America, right? So I know it's been run wrong for a long time, but that's just because a bunch of yayos went up there and uh, got those decisions, you know, and they were bad, you know, and it, it affects everybody. So, And, right. and, and, and judges don't want to let you think that uh, that if, if you get a discharge that there's nothing else they can do but they have to specifically write in there that discharge is not on the note you know for bank of america and and that this discharge does not affect the deed of trust or the mortgage right but they never put that on there so there's nothing for any lien to pass through to anybody you know so <laughs> anyway yeah so, so have so, fun with that, so huh? what is your thought huh yeah go ahead what what is your thought on uh, the truth and truth and lending? I'm gonna say it again: truth and lending statement. Because the truth and lending statement at the very top, it has 
It says right underneath the title of that statement, this is not a contract and a, uh, I think it says guarantee to lend or a promise to lend or something like that. And then I mean, those spread offers. What do you mean, the top of the money statement that they give you when you, you do closing, you mean? Right, the truth and lending statement. It's in your settlement package, you know, when you're purchasing or even when you're. Well, you know, they, they, they give you a lot of state, you know, a lot of notices, you know, like the EPA and, you know, uh, and has, HASMAT and, you know, all kinds of other stuff. By signing any one of those notices, you're essentially agreeing to those, you know. So I'd watch out for that if I were you. No, but in particular, if you, if, if the homeowners that are listening at the top of your truth and lending statement, those four boxes at top, one of, oh, three of the boxes say a credit that was provided to you on your behalf. Why doesn't it say a loan that was provided to you? And then the next box says a credit, the cost of the that the credit will cost you. Why doesn't it say the cost of the loan will cost you? That the cost of the loan will cost you. If it was a loan, and that is a in well. lending statement. Well, it's just like this. How can it be a truth and lending statement if they, they you know, they got to comply with being truthful when they in their lending practices when they don't give you a loan, you know, before you sign the note? You know, I mean, uh, the whole thing is kind of ludicrous, you know. So, I mean, you know, right. you got to look because at it that way, too. You were, <laughs> you're right, Barrett. You were the only one that signed the settlement. The lender didn't sign, so how can that be a, a valid contract? It's only the homeowner side. Well, you know, there's another way to look at it, too, is if you're the only one that signs, you can change the conditions on the uh, promissory note any time, too, you know? <laughs> I like that. But, <laughs> I mean, that's essentially how stuff can go like that because it's not a contract. It's basically granting you a gift, but you want to watch out for the gifts that you give. <laughs> I know. I wonder how far back can we go? If we can, can we do it now? Can we, if it's 2007, can you still pay the terms of that promissory note? Well, I don't know. Uh, did, the, did the company go out of business or what? No, I mean, they're still, they're still trying to steal people's homes. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it's food for thought, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you so much. I'll let somebody else speak. Okay. Well, we're done. <laughs> That's it. Oh. No more questions. But thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Uh, thank you, too, Kevin. Yeah. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, and um, I'm, look, I'm reading the – I'm sorry. I'm reading the chat. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's been fun. Thanks. Kevin, some you, people are saying some fun stuff or what? Um, well, this one, no, is that, well, yeah, there's a lot of good things on there, uh, funny stuff. Well, read me a couple of them. Let uh, me get a laugh. Well, it was hard to understand uh, the woman, her phone, the sound is kind of messed up. Law fan said, I can't handle this. 
You just taught me this, Angela. What did I teach you? I love Kevin. He is a legal scholar. Who's is that? There? That was Donaldson. <laughs> uh, who is the guest, Angela? Is there a website? No, Charlie. No, there's no website. Uh, you got a link. What message you're referring to, Donaldson? Uh, anyway... I made comment that I have a pastrami on rye waiting for me, and I'm dying. I'm so hungry. So we're going to call go. it a night. It's, we're over the two hours, so we did it. Thank you so much for filling in, Kevin. I appreciate it. Okay. As soon as you get some uh, permanent uh, winning documents in there, you got to share them with us so we can check it out. I already That's showed good. you a bunch of stuff a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, but I can't put that out. You want me to put that out? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> when you well, I mean, you know, with, with that... all the with all these naysayers, you can tell them that they <laughs> what it what a what we are doing is working. <laughs> You've yeah, seen well, it yourself. Not, yeah, but people want to see it for themselves. They don't. I, I don't, know. You know. Well, you know, it's it's, it's all yeah. secondhand hearsay and all like that. Well, it isn't hearsay because you've seen it firsthand. <laughs> well, but well, I'm just hearsay. Second. No, you're not, because you've seen the documents. Yeah, but I'm to say. them, I am. To them, <laughs> to other people, I'm your say. Well, this is like... <laughs> Good night, you know. Kevin. See ya. It's been fun. <laughs> we'll do it again, I'm sure. Yeah, later. Have a great holiday. If I don't talk to you before then. Um. Oh, I guess he hung up. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time. I don't know who I have scheduled. I want to get Dan Benham back on. Um, I also want to get Sam Davis on, but uh, it's kind of hard during the holidays. People are busy with their families and some whatever. All right, everybody. I love you. Take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.